You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Good morning, everyone. I just want to take this opportunity to greet each and every one of you. You are welcome to the marriage enrichment. Feel at home, be at home. And our theme, the power couple. The real power couple. There are some power couples, so to speak, out there, but they are not the real deal. The real deal is found in the house of God. It is a couple, which is a kingdom couple, not secular ones, not the power couples we see on social media or the dressy ones which are just flamboas, no. I'm not saying dressing properly is not okay. It is okay, but if that's the only thing that you do as a couple, then you are not the real couple. Amen. Real couples are united. They put a united front whenever tribulation comes their way. Real couples, they fight together and say we are one. We have one voice one purpose and one language. Whatever comes our way, whatever storm comes, we are fighting on one side. We will not compete against each other as real couples, but we fight the enemy. If a child is not well, we will pray together as a couple. We will not point fingers at one another because power couples are united and they do things together. Amen. Even as the word of God says, a house divided against itself shall not stand. You do not want to be in that space, to be just divided. Do not allow the enemy to divide you as a couple because your house will not stand. And the word of God also says, if one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. So as a couple, you have exponential power to put ten thousand to flight. So this morning, I've just introduced you what a real power couple is. We are going to receive Elder Emmanuel to proceed. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she lovely? That's... My lovely wife, Edith, thank you. Thank you very much. She's such a blessing to me. Um, you make it easy for me to, to love you, baby. And you make, it, you make me want to be a better man. You make me want to be a better man from the way you love me. And I really appreciate I will always fight to be your husband. There's no one who can stop me from being your husband. There's nothing. And she's easy to love. She's easy, she's easy to love. But she was not always like this. <laughs> she was not always easy like this. Um, when we were younger, she was much more difficult to love. I saw Pepe when I was growing up. <laughs> so I, but she's so much easy to love now. And I think 
it is me who matured. I think it is me who has grown up. Now I know how to love this woman. And it was not always like that. And you will find that um, if you depend on your romance, on your love for your, for your wife or your spouse, those chemicals will only last you about 18 months into your marriage. They will only last you two years. And after two years, those chemicals fed off. And you will need something else to help you love one another. So, somebody, there was a, in the, in the, in the scriptures, somebody came and asked Jesus and said, Jesus, Master, which one is the greatest commandment? Which one is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered clear, loud and clear. He says, you know what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. And the second one is the same. He went on to say, the second one is just love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, the first commandment is a bit difficult to judge when you say, can we tell who loves the Lord most? Can you tell who loves God with all his strength, with all his might? And I think it's a difficult one to measure. And we'll leave God to do that measurement. He must do the measurement himself. But the one about loving your neighbor, the one about loving your neighbor, because this neighbor, for most of us here, this neighbor is, sleeps next to you. This neighbor sleeps next to you. We can measure whether you love your neighbor as yourself. Because this neighbor is a spiritual being. And they can tell whether there is love or there is no love. And we said we leave God. God can tell us. He will tell us later on whether we loved him with our strength. He will do the judgment. And the one who sleeps next to us, the closest neighbor, before we go across the street, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, it makes it easy for me to obey the, the second commandment. She makes it easy for me to obey the second commandment. But, a, you know, when we go into marriage, you, sometimes we go into marriage thinking you will find love in there. But marriage is a bring and share thing. It's a bring and share. You bring your own love and you share with your spouse. And if you wait to say, I will find marriage, I will find love in my marriage, it's a you have to bring your own love, which God has loved. I know God loves me. And I know God loves Edith. And, you know, there's this concept of seeing God as your father-in-law. As your father-in-law. Now, 
This is the Lord's daughter. How I love her, what I do with her. And this father-in-law is watching. He watches. He is ever-present. This father-in-law. What I do with her, about her, how I love her, he is watching. And for some, he can even measure what I'm doing. So the way I love my wife, I love her knowing that her father is watching, knowing that her father is watching me. And um, in the scriptures, we learn also from First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he says, dwell with, the, with them, dwell with these wives with understanding. Knowing that you are co-heirs together with Christ, co-heirs together with, with, with them, you are co-heirs with, with them. And he says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So God is watching what you do with your spouse, how you treat her. And if you don't dwell with understanding, if you don't, he says he's watching. If you're not careful, God may just not may stop answering your prayers. And this is the father-in-law intervening. The father-in-law is saying, you know what? The way you are treating my daughter or the way you are treating my son, go back, do the right thing, and then we can talk. Go back, do the right thing with my daughter, then we can talk. And so, even during this life which I have, there is consequences for how I treat my wife, how I treat my spouse. Not only that, even when I know that there is a last day to our marriage, when one of us passes on. The scriptures tell us that we must all appear before the judgment seat to answer for what you did. To answer for what you did with, for you, it will be one aspect is, what did you do with your spouse? So I know that in this life, while I'm here, my father-in-law is watching. And I know that at the end of my life, my father-in-law will ask me questions. And how, how did I do? How did I love his daughter? And in um, the way you treat my children, you will get mileage or you will get war. You will get favors for me. I remember when our daughter was going to was pursuing studies. Our daughter was pursuing studies overseas. She was pursuing studies in the USA. And we had all the resources that we need for that time. She was going to study. But we didn't know anybody there. And she was packing her bags to go to the USA. We were so you know, we didn't know what to do because this is a young girl who's going to a different country to pursue what she wanted to do. Until we found 
a friend of a friend who was staying in that city. That, her name is Beauty. Beauty says, oh, Nicole can come. I will receive her at the airport. I will stay with her a few days. I will show her how to look at an apartment in this city. We were over the moon. I never met this woman, but she did. She looked after Nicole until she found her an apartment where she was going to stay and do, pursue her studies. We eventually then met this beauty. We met beauty. And every time, every time we meet her, we have no words. We have no words of how she treated our daughter. And she was well looked after. And even now, when I, we just bump into her, we met her at another function, that we have no words to explain. Her stock, her price is so high. Her price to us is so high because of the way she treated our daughter. So, we need to know how, how are you treating one another? How are we treating one another? And um, when we teach, we do, because when we come into this, God has a purpose for each and every one of us individually and as a couple. Individually, we've got different calls. We're calling upon a purpose for which God has meant for. So we can stand in one another's way. We can stifle somebody's potential, somebody's ability to do what God has given them. And there is an accounting which needs to happen afterwards. So as couples, I'm encouraging one another to say, can we, as couples, encourage your spouse to do what God has called them to do as individuals? And then, as a couple, we need to be able to say, what are we doing as a couple to glorify God? So, it is our responsibility to find what your spouse has been designed to do and help her do, help her achieve that. And um, my wife loves this thing called baby showers or bridal or bridal events. And it didn't start now. It's been going on for a long time. These baby showers and bridal things. One time she says to me, can we go to breaths? I said, what is in the breaths? He says, there's someone who's, getting, who's preparing to get married. Do we know this person? Well, I don't even know them. I said, do you know it's in another province? Do you know that this is in another province? And we don't, I, we don't even know this person. But they said, somebody phoned and said, can Edith come and do a bridal shower in breaths in Northwest? And she says, I don't know how to get there. So there I was picking up my car keys and 
driving to breaths. She went into this house. I was parking out. I was parked outside because I can't do these baby things. <laughs> oh, this bride out, this bride out things which they do. So I parked my car outside. I was waiting. After some time, we drove back to Johannesburg. And what was I doing? I was helping her do what God has mandated her, God has enabled her to do. The other time, there was a mom who says, I wanted to preach at my wedding. It's a daughter's wedding. Yeah. So she, this mama says, I want Edith. There is the marriage officer. I don't want the marriage officer to do it. The marriage officer will sign the papers. But who is going to talk there? I want Edith to talk on. I said, they never ask me to do these things. <laughs> and now I have to drive. Now I have to drive to make her go do these ceremony things. Which, And we drove. And I was saying, I'm, I'm supporting her in what God has asked her to do. It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to, I'm not stifling this. I am not getting in the way of this. I want to help her do what God has called her to do. And so we see many times as a couple now, we do a lot of marriage talks, marriage events, marriage, premarital counseling. And we talk to these young people and we say to them, you know, you say you love this spouse of yours. In and in yourself, you don't have the ability to love this girl the way God wants her to be loved. In and of yourself, you do not have the ability to love this spouse the way you are saying that you love her. And, and the way God wants it, he says it's forever. It's a long time forever. It's a long time. And I just told you that your chemicals... We'll just take you 18 months in two years. So you need to be empowered. We take these young couples to say, you need to be empowered to empower to love your spouse. And after you've been empowered, you become the real power couple. After you've been empowered to love your spouse, you become the real power couple. The real power couple like my wife said, she says these are kingdom-minded people. These people love one another, but they have another agenda. They have another agenda. They've got a purpose. Not just the lovey-dovey feelings which they have for each other. They've got a bigger purpose. They are kingdom-minded and we're saying there is a difference between Christians who are married and kingdom power couples. There's a difference. They don't, they don't operate the same way. King, Christians who are married, who happen to be married, can, I mean, it's difficult. They can just say, ah, you know what, we'll walk away from this. God will send somebody else. They will walk easy, easy. But when they are but other motivating factors, 
they are driven. Kingdom, power. They are real power couples. They are driven. They work together as a unit. And um, and we they work together as a unit. And Pastor Eric talked about the other, some, other, some other time about kings don't fight alone. Kings don't fight alone. And these are people who are who know that they are kings in God's kingdom. They know their place in God's kingdom. And these kings don't fight alone. They fight together. Individually, you know you're a king. She is a king or he is a king. And you together, one will chase a thousand. Two will chase 10,000. Do you do the numbers? You do the numbers. And um, and marriage is a team sport. It's a team sport. You don't do it alone. Marriage, you don't do it alone. I'm, I'm, I'm communicating. You have to have a partner. It's a team sport. Marriage is a team sport. And brilliant players are good. But a brilliant team, a well-coached team, is better. A well-coached team is better than brilliant individuals. And a team that works together is going to win. They are going to win. And when these teams that operate as a unit, that operate together as a team, as with, there's a certain camaraderie which they have, a certain oneness which they have. And it is this oneness which we are which we fight for as a couple, that we can be one. We want to be one. And have you seen these team sports, these team sports when they, they, there's what they call a team huddle, a team huddle. When a team comes together, the purpose of that team huddle is to bring the team together, convey important information like strategy, it is for them for, to encourage team members, encourage team members to perform at their own best, to perform their best for the team. It is for celebration. It is for timeout. So a team huddle is where the team comes together. And as couples, you need a team huddle. This team must come together. What is the strategy now? Our strategy now is different than when we were just married. We've got a different strategy. But you have to get this from the team huddle. A team needs to come together and strategize. Encourage one another to perform better. It's for celebrations. So a team, time and time again, you must be able to check on your spouse and say, baby, how are we doing? How are we doing? And that must be encouraged. That must be encouraged. A team hurdles. So oneness in marriage is not automatic. You don't automatically become one with your spouse. You have to fight for it. You have to get to fight for it because it's not automatic. It's not even semi-automatic. Team oneness. 
is something which you need to cherish, you need to go for. Um, you don't automatically become one. And um, so, you know, I was comparing this oneness with our relationship with the Lord, our salvation. You get born again, but you are not, you know, God loves every one of us equally. But God does not have the same relationship with each one of us. So you get born again, you are in God's kingdom. You are saved, you are born again. God loves you equally. But God does not have the same relationship with each one of us. Because others, other children of God have worked on their relationship. They have worked on their relationship. And in, from the scriptures, you know, the, it says God spoke to Moses face to face like a friend. It's different. And when people try to do anything, it says, you know, it's, Moses is different. Because there's a different type of relationship because of the way they related. David, we know David. God says, oh, the man after my own heart is different. And I came across Daniel. When angels came to Daniel, they said to Daniel, oh, highly esteemed of the Lord to Daniel. In other words, God has got a different view of, of, of Daniel. He says, you are highly esteemed. So God, our relationship is not automatic. Oneness is not automatic. It's something which we need to work for. It's something which you need to develop. You need to develop that oneness between the two of you. You work at it. And it's, yes, you got married. You are one. You are one with your spouse. And what um, that did is allowed you to be able to work towards oneness. It's a journey. It's a journey. And there are some couples who are able to, who are really, really able to um, complement one another, bring what they have as a couple to influence other couples, to influence other people. In the scriptures, there's a couple called Priscilla and Aquila. This couple, this couple was a power couple. They don't appear separately. They never appear separately in the scriptures. They come as a pair. You get Priscilla and Aquila at the same time. They met Paul, and Paul stayed with them. They did business with Paul. They were tent makers. Paul joined them, and they were doing business together with him. They opened their house to Paul, and Paul imparted wisdom to this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. They were such a couple. They were open to learning. They had such a teachable spirit. So as a couple, we need to have a teachable spirit. Get people to be able to talk to you. People to, don't say, I know it all. Get people to talk to you and encourage you in your faith. Priscilla and Aquila stayed with Paul. Paul imparted his wisdom on them. 
to the fact that to the extent that when Priscilla and Aquila met, a Paul had left. Apollos came to, a Corinth, to Corinth. Apollos came, he was fiery, he was teaching, the, a, and Priscilla and Aquila listened to him. And they said, his message is not complete. So they invited Apollos to their own house again, power couple. And they told him, because up to that time, Apollos only knew about the baptism of John. And they told him about the life of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And more importantly, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I didn't even know there is a Holy Spirit. So they told him, and they released him. Apollos went back and was doing exactly the same thing. The most important thing now, Apollos now had the Holy Spirit. He continued to do what this power couple had infused into his ministry. Had infused into his ministry. So this power couple, Priscilla and Aquila, all they did was adding or turning the water into wine. Apollo's ministry was changed. Was changed because they, had, they changed the water of his ministry into wine. And the wine which um, the wine which we, we're talking about turning the water into wine, miracle which Jesus did at a wedding in Cana. Jesus turned water. This, we sometimes underestimate how this miracle is. We sometimes underestimate the miracle of turning water into wine. Within a small space of time, Jesus changed water into wine. Within a short space of time, he compressed the growing of the grapes, the fermenting of the grapes, and distribution of the, presented it on the table. Presented it on the table. And Jesus can do the same thing with our relationships. Change your mediocre relationship. Change your mediocre marriage. Within a sweep of a hand, he can change our relationship, our marriages. The water can be turned into wine. Water can be turned into wine. And if you heard people say that marriage gets sweeter as you go by, it's because even at the wedding, the master of ceremony says, this wine is even better than the one which we have been drinking all along. You kept it until last. You can have a marriage which has been turned, which, the water which has been turned into wine. And it will be better in your later years. It will be better. So, I, with these few words, I'm encouraging you to fight for oneness. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.